Blog Talk Radio. Hello, Nats fans. Welcome to Nats Nightly, sponsored by FederalBaseball.com. This is Patrick Reddington from Federal Baseball. I've got Doghouse from Federal Baseball and Dave Nichols on the line after the Nationals 4-3 loss in the series opener. Uh, we'll start with Max Scherzer, Dave, 4-3, 3-7-3 ERA in 12 postseason games. Ten of them start before tonight. Uh, his last was in 2014, though, so take those stats for what they're worth. Unbeaten in his last 10 starts this season, 3-3-4 ERA, and a 2-25, 2-79, 3-89 line against in his last 64 and two-thirds innings pitch this season. Uh, he avoided the Dodgers in the regular season, fell behind one nothing early. Uh, Corey Seager just crushed a first-pitch fastball, belt high outside, uh, way too much of the plate. Uh, Andrew Tolles with a single, scores on a uh, Chase Utley single in the third, Two nothing at that point. Uh, slider up in that case to Utley. Uh, first pitch curve to Justin Turner. A two run home run later that inning. Four nothing. That's all he gave up though. Ninety one pitches, six innings pitched, four in runs, five Ks. But the home runs cost Max Scherzer again. Yeah, you know this has been a problem that's, that's plagued Max Scherzer uh, throughout his career, certainly, but uh, uh, certainly through uh, his seasons with the Nationals and, and this year especially um, during down the stretch here. He seemed to have solved it a little bit, you know, winning nine of his last ten games and uh, really looking very good down the stretch. But uh, he looked a little bit like uh, like April and May Max Scherzer tonight as opposed to August and September Max Scherzer. Um, the, the slider didn't work at all all night long, and it took him too long to realize that. Uh, his fastball command wasn't the sharpest, um, which forced him to go to the curveball, his third best pitch, and um, and that got, got hit around a little bit too. So, um you know, he, he settled down. He kept the Nats in the game. He, he held it, like you said before, but, um, you know, that turned out to be enough since the Nats couldn't get anything done against the bullpen, against the Dodgers' bullpen. But, uh, uh, yeah, this was a game where the Nats needed to have Max Scherzer come out and, and, okay, give up the home run to Seager in the first inning. Big deal. Shut him down the rest of the way, and, um, and he wasn't up to the task tonight, unfortunately, for the Nats. So I guess Dusty Baker talked about uh, the home run issue for Max Scherzer, whether it's a pattern. He said there were first ball jumping on him early, like Seager did. Evidently, everyone knows he's going to throw a lot of strikes and a lot of early strikes. They attacked him in his last start like that, too. Uh, as soon as he started working with his breaking ball and his changeup, he was a Max that we know, but he made a mistake to a very good hitter. He hung the curveball. Uh, you know what I mean. The guy has been a thorn in our side all year. I think he's talking about Justin Turner in that case, but also gave up the home run to Seager. And, uh, Jason Worth almost caught one of the, the Turner home runs. Came really close at the wall there, but ended up missing it. And Those big hits ended up costing the Nats. All four runs came the first three innings, and they couldn't come last. Yeah, well, man, Worth was really, uh, really looking sprightly out there uh, today. So that's that's maybe a, a little green shoot if we're looking for some sign of uh, sign of life that we can cling to for the future there. Uh, Scherzer, okay, we we've been talking about the home run issue for uh, for most of the season here, uh, but I, I just would like to remind everyone: uh, you may be you know too good to say I told you so. I am not. This is what comes from leaving leaving Scherzer in to throw 100 plus pitches at the end of the season. In games where it doesn't matter and there's enough of a lead and you have 83 arms in the bullpen who are just capable of coming in and giving him an inning or so of rest so that he is fresh for the postseason and isn't having trouble spotting his fastball to the corners and getting stuck leaving breaking balls up over the plate where they get put over the wall. I told you so. <laughs> uh. 
Dave, this is a game that you're going into against Clayton Kershaw. Uh, you kind of know it's going to be a difficult one, even though he struggled some in the postseason, but uh, he missed time with a herniated disc in his back. It limited him 21 starts this season, returned in early September, one and two and five starts when he came back, a 129 ERA, 182, 196, 263 line against in 28 innings. 10-2, 202 ERA, 190, 230, 301, and 89 innings pitched worth the Nats in his career. Uh, gave up two runs in the third, uh, double double steals, put two runners in scoring position to Anthony Randone, drove in. Uh, Pedro Severino with a double, scores on a sack fly by Trey Turner in the fourth, 4-3 four to three at that point. They knocked him out after five, 101 pitches, uh, eight hits, just the three runs total. Uh, you get a decent, you know, three runs on uh, – Clayton Kershaw has nothing to shake a stick at. I don't know. Still, he's still to sneak at. That's <laughs> but, uh, you know, you get three runs against him. It's just not enough. Uh, on a night when he wasn't particularly great, the Nationals still couldn't beat the Dodgers. No, this was the night that, that they needed to, to beat up on, on Clayton Kershaw, and they, they couldn't do it. Uh, you're, you're, you're right. If Kershaw, if this is June and you get three runs against Kershaw, you're happy about it. But this isn't June. This is the Clayton Kershaw that uh, that was out with a back injury much of the season. Um, he he certainly wasn't uh, all that particularly good. I mean, we just talked about uh, Scherzer's struggles. Kershaw had twice the struggles that, that, that Scherzer did. Um, it couldn't locate any of his off-speed pitches. It had to rely on the fastball. His fastball command was not very good. There were multiple occasions where uh, Yasmani Grandal had to reach back across the plate uh, to catch the pitch. He was missing uh, the glove by that much, and and constantly the home plate umpire was giving him strikes on those, even, even though he was missing his target by 12 to 18 inches. Um, this is not Clayton Kershaw tonight. This was a pitcher that was uh, much less than what you would expect out of a guy that's a two-time Cy Young Award winner, and the Nats couldn't put him away. Uh, they, they had time and time again, they had opportunity to put him away. They had multiple runners against him in, in each of his last four innings uh, and just couldn't deliver that big blow. And they got the two runs <laughs> and they came up with the <laughs> – came up with the – I'm getting there, doghouse. I'm getting there. Um, it was just uh, – they couldn't put him away. And then as as Doghouse uh, so appropriately coughed there, um, Danny Espinosa was useless tonight, Uh, was beyond useless tonight. He came up with two runners on in each of his first three at-bats and struck out. He struck out on a ball over his head at one point. Um, He's just an absolute rally killer every time he came up. And I hope this is once and for all um, the, the, the last straw that, that needs to be seen, that, that Danny Espinosa is not a major league hitter despite his accidental 23 home runs. Every time he comes up to bat, he's doing nothing but looking to dial the downs, and he does nothing but, but is a hole in the lineup. And this just further exemplifies how much this team is going to miss Wilson Ramos by having to move Danny Espinosa up into the seventh hole. It's just going to kill them that the first five guys in the order can't drive in all the runs themselves unless they're hitting solo home runs because um, despite what Ryan Zimmerman did tonight, after that it's just hole after hole after hole in the lineup and and they're just not going to be able to get it done. Danny Espinosa can't make contact. He's a rally killer, and it showed again tonight in the worst way. 0 for 3, 3Ks, 6 left on base by himself. Uh, they hit from late in the game with Stephen Drew, who popped out on the first pitch, I believe, but he uh, made contact. <laughs> he made contact, at least. Unfortunately for uh, you, Dave, here's what Jesse Baker had to say. Um, I mean, this is it's not the first time this has happened this year, talking about Danny Espinosa, but then Espinosa can turn around and hit the next pitch out of the ballpark. 
we're all tired of waiting for that, aren't we? <laughs> that's the, that's what's kind of frustrating when you don't know. He was swinging at balls, you know, out of the zone and then balls in the zone. He wasn't catching up to it. His swing was long tonight. You know, he didn't have a very good night. But then tomorrow, we got a left-hander going tomorrow in Rich Hill going against him. So Baker said he's going to be back in there tomorrow. Doug has, at this point, he's the horse you rode all the way here at shortstop. I, I don't see them taking him out of the lineup at this point. Like Dusty Baker said, there's that possibility for the big hit, but we've been waiting all year. Uh, hashtag hash brown or whatever you want to call it. Contact is a, a familiar thing we see out there when Espinosa comes up in these situations and rarely comes through, unfortunately. So, so what's that you're saying that uh, Espinosa is and the horse you rode in on? Something, something like that. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's funny that. Uh, tonight was sort of the, the Nats lineup uh, as as we imagine it. Uh, Worth was having some long at bats, and even even when he made made outs, he was making people pitch. Rendon came through, had a couple of good hits. Zimmerman had some excellent hard contact. I think uh, he had at least he made contact in every at bat, and at least three of them were over 100 miles an hour. So yeah, that's certainly a, a good sign moving forward. And Danny Espinosa struck out three times, swinging at pitches at his feet and above his head. So, you know, r- r- right there, these these are all the Nats that we recognize. Uh, when Drew came out to pinch hit for him, I kind of thought, at last, Danny is done. Drew's going to be starting tomorrow. Uh, I'm fully realizing that I was probably overreacting, but, uh, yeah. I, I'm going to look forward to Danny Espinosa striking out tomorrow. Maybe uh, maybe he'll be batting eighth, though. Uh, actually, as I was walking past the police station on my way back here, I think a, a cop going off duty leaned out of his SUV and yelled, we got to change that lineup for tomorrow. Because I was wearing a Nats jersey, so take from that what you will. Maybe we can get Danny arrested. <laughs> they changed the lineup up Ryan Zimmerman had to hit the ball pretty well, um, you know, throughout the day. Maybe maybe Murphy saw 
Danny Espinosa in the hole, and he thought, oh, oh crap, I better give him the scoring position for us, for Zimmerman because there's no way that, that Espinosa is going to drive me in. Um, you know, maybe that played into it. I don't know. But, uh, but no, Dusty gives his veterans the green light if they think they've got it. Uh, he's played that way all year long. It was just a bad spot for Murphy to um, – Bad spot for Murphy run. Murphy owned up to it in the post game, saying, "You know, there's two choices: there, make it or don't run." Uh, he 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 goofed. Um, clearly, he goofed. Um, you, you you hate the the the, the opportunity that late in the game with with Canley Jansen looming for the eighth and ninth inning um, would would be so magnified. But it was just yet another missed opportunity for the Nats, and they they had opportunities with runners on base all night and and couldn't cash in. And this was just. Uh, the last one of them since uh, since Jansen um, did shut them down later on. So I guess they dropped the one with Max Scherzer on the mound. Uh, like I said, against Clayton Kershaw, uh, expecting a win is probably not the right way to go into this, but now you turn to Tanner Roark against Rich Hill tomorrow in game two. Five-game series is pretty much a must-win at this point. Uh, there was some speculation that they might go with uh, – Gio Gonzalez and get the lefty out there at home and hope he puts together a good start. Dusty Baker said today when asked if how seriously they considered flipping them and going with Gio and then Roark in game three, he said that we didn't really consider it at all. We were just messing with you guys, the reporters, which <laughs> kind of kind of humorous. But uh, what's your thoughts going into this, having faith in Tanner Roark going into this? Uh, Rich Hill's great comeback story, but uh, – which side are you going with here in the Nationals, even it up tomorrow, riding Tanner Roark to success? Well, I, you know, I, I got to believe that because as as a fan, you, you cling to the hopes you have, especially if it means pooping on the other team's wonderful comeback story. Um, the, the Nationals were the underdogs coming into this, coming into this series, you know, um, banged up. Uh, the, the arms that are left have a lot of innings on them. Uh, the good bats coming back have been banged up recently, and you know people are, are flailing for their timing, uh, missing a lot of big pieces. It's uh, it, it's going to be a tough tough way to go, no matter what. And losing the first game certainly doesn't help. And you know, like you said, certainly expecting a win is not the thing to do, even when it's October Kershaw. Uh, but. You know, Roark has been uh, a pleasant surprise enough this uh, season that it's not really a surprise anymore, and we've come to expect it. So uh, I, I guess I have to say that, you know, Roark's going to show throw the complete game shutout, and, and the Nats will win 10 to nothing tomorrow because, you know, that, that seems reasonable and justified by what's going on. And if that doesn't happen, I intend to spend several innings loudly heckling Hill like we loudly heckled Kershaw all all evening today uh just as another aside fan instructions and you know directions and signs on when to stand and sit and and such as published in the post aside it was it was really a tremendous game experience there today as as a fan out in the audience people were into it from the first pitch uh we were yelling nonsense uh up where i was up in the 300s uh the, the whole section was into it people were were it, it was a good time. Uh, that, that's about as full and about as rowdy as I've ever seen the place. Right, let's pull up the uh, total here, Dave. I think it was somewhere around 45,000, which I thought was a lot. for the park, 43, 9, 15 independents. Uh, I was in the park watching on the TV. I know you were uh, 
listening along on the radio most likely. You can see how to go to work there. But as Doug Hap said, it was a great environment there in the park. Even where I was sitting, you could tell uh, fans were standing for uh, most of the game. I don't know if they're instructed to do so. <laughs> yeah. 43,000. That was on our own volition there. 915 uh, show up for the game. A great environment, if nothing else, if we didn't like the results. Yeah, you know, anytime they showed the crowd um, on the broadcast, everybody was standing and all clad in red and, um, you know, acting appropriately for a playoff game. It's nice that uh, um, that we don't, we don't really need to talk about the Nets not being um, a good baseball crowd anymore, that uh, um, that they're acting appropriately in the playoffs for, the, for these nationally televised games. It's, um, you know, Nets, the D.C. sports fans in general have to kind of um, – taken a rough go of it from from national media on occasion but uh they showed up tonight uh, anytime like i said they showed the fans it was it was a good crowd it was loud you could hear them across the broadcast both on radio and television um at times thankfully drowning out the fox commentators who were just abysmal tonight so um do it again Nats Park. be loud tomorrow so that i don't have to listen to harold reynolds drone on it ainley <laughs> 4-3 loss, down one nothing in the NLDS. I know you're at work to so get back, Dave, but before we sign off, everyone's favorite fun time, trivia question. See if either of you have the answer. There's been six postseason appearances by D.C.-based teams in baseball history. Uh, anyone name all six years that the Nationals have gone to the postseason? Well, a D.C.-based baseball team has gone to the postseason, so I'll have to on track first. Uh, 1924, 1933, and several others. <laughs> Well, 12, 14, 16, and how about 1908? 24, 25, 33, 12, 14, and 16. You both lose, just like the Nationals. <laughs> That's tonight. Oh, mm-hmm. kill. Watch by federalbaseball.com. Game two tomorrow at 408. Tanner Roark versus Rich Hill. Talk to you guys after tomorrow's game. Go Nats.